The Farming Programme with Araquip Steel Stockholders with Embrook Industrial Estate Grantham. BSI ISO 9001 accredited. No farmer in the UK is growing haricot beans, except one on trial in Lincolnshire. Over the years, the various attempts have been have tried about to grow these in the country, but because of soil, wrong climate, wrong techniques, wrong equipment, if you like, at harvesting, we haven't been able to do it. We'll meet the new chief exec of the Lincolnshire showground, and with the corn nearly as high as an elephant's eye, it's Heckington Showtime. People in this village have been working all year to get something together that their friends, their family and the whole wider community are going to come and enjoy. And I, I just think that that's brilliant. And I think that that happens in Lincolnshire is something that we can all be proud of. Hear all about the UK's biggest village show, along with agronomy advice, crop, livestock and grain market reports and the weather for the week to come. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Hello, I am Steve Orchard. Nice to be back, refreshed and very nearly dried out. Thanks to Andy Marsh for looking after the shop while I was away in a very damp Wales. Uh, Every time we enjoy baked beans with our full English breakfast, we're eating a bean that's not actually produced in the UK, which seems a shame. Why not? Is it the climate or what? One Lincolnshire farmer's trialling growing haricot beans, so I popped along to see Andrew Ward to find out more and ask, why aren't they grown in the UK? Over the years, the various attempts have been have tried about to grow these in the country, but because of soil, wrong soil, wrong climate, wrong techniques, um, wrong equipment, if you like, at harvesting, we haven't been able to do it. Um, and at the moment, there's two million tins a day of baked beans are consumed in the country, which is a huge amount. And that comes from uh, mainly China, America and Canada. So it's all imported. So we need to get to growing um, more crops here at home. In the mid-70s, baked beans or haricot beans were attempted to be grown. They failed because of climate and soil that we just talked about wasn't right. The whole breeding programme was was put in the cupboard, the doors shut and sort of mothballed and was nearly given up on, but the history of the plant breeding was still there. About eight or ten years ago, a professor at Warwick University opened the cupboard door and thought, let's have a go at this. Comparing it to a conventional bean plant, it's about a third of the height. Yep. Uh, it looks quite delicate compared to yes. a conventional bean. Is that normal or is it just showing that we're not going to be able to grow these very effectively? Well, I think you've hit the nail on the head, Steve, with exactly that's just what the, the difficulty has been. It is a very delicate crop. When you look at this conventional bean next to us here, it's probably three feet tall, whereas this uh, this hericot bean, the baked bean plant here, is probably nine inches tall. And it is because of that delicacy uh, and the various growth habits that it tends to grow on the floor if you get the wrong weather that proves that, that it's difficult. But... At the minute, you know, we've got it established really well. It's now into flowering. You can see the little pods are forming on it as well. So we're on the right track anyway. So what variety have you got in the ground here then, Andrew? There's three varieties in, in trial, but the one that they think is going to be successful is one called Capulet, and that is a small white bean. We've got a black bean grown as well, but it's a small white one that they're thinking is, is going to be the one that will, will succeed. And when do you expect to start harvesting these? It's a very short growing window for a start with these beans. So normally it will be around mid to late August, so in a normal wheat growing period. But they can't be planted until the frost has gone. So these weren't put in the ground until uh, early May. Again, we've got different planting dates in here to assess which, whether the variety is frost hardy or not. So we've got different trials in there on drilling date. But it's a very, very short growing window from early May to sort of mid-August. Okay. Now, as these are quite delicate looking plants, what if we get the weather that we've had recently? We've had some torrential rain. 
Is that going to affect them badly? Well, it could well do. They're a long way off harvest. Now, as a bit of an unknown, uh, we've got a field of barley next door that's sort of starting to go down now, but it's a long way off harvest, uh, and that will affect yield if it goes flat. With these beans, a bit unsure now if they go flat now, whether they'll come back up again. But I think at the minute, there's, the plant's too short at the minute. There's too much green and it's still growing too well to go flat. But what we have got across there in the green patch we're looking at in the distance, we've got a trial there where we're growing a companion crop with the beans. And the companion crop is black oats. And the idea with that is that they'll intersperse with each other and the oats, because they're quite stiff-stemmed, will hold the beans up when the beans get a bit floppy. And again, that's an experiment to see whether it works. And then at harvest time, if we're harvesting beans and oats, we can easily separate the oats out on the machine uh, afterwards because the, bean, the oats are a lot smaller than the beans. So harvest in about four or five weeks' time. We'll have another review then, see what the results are like from the trial. Thanks, Andrew. No, thank you, Steve. It's a pleasure. Next weekend sees the return of the UK's biggest village show in Lincolnshire at Heckington. Charles Pitt- Lynchbeck is the show director. People in this village have been working all year to get something together that their friends, their family and the whole wider community are going to come and enjoy. And I, I just think that that's brilliant. And I think that that happens in Lincolnshire is something that we can all we can all be proud of. This being the farming programme, let's start off with what's on offer from the agricultural and horticultural community at the show. Obviously, we have our heavy horse section which is on the Saturday and includes a fabulous class which for agricultural turnouts which is just lovely you know the horses with not just with carts and wagons but implements as well which is fascinating um, the second day uh, we have our main uh, livestock show with sheep and cattle and nearly 500 entries in that which we're really pleased with as a result there's a great display of you know, our own Lincoln long wolves you know the county's own breed it's the the biggest show anywhere in the country this year for Lincolns and also the official breed sale on the um, in the afternoon of the Sunday and you know a great selection of you know, machinery old and new to to look at and to enjoy and lots of competitions for the biggest this and the longest that etc as traditional for a, a village show absolutely yes the longest runner being I I don't know what the official record is, but I, I do know that um, a few years ago, someone managed to get one that's 24 inches long. I think I've, in my mind, I may even got to 27. I mean, these, yeah, these things are just enormous. Yeah, they really are. And, and it's just amazing just to come down and yeah, walk through the, the horticulture tents and see those, you know, the runner beans, parsnips, onions, potatoes, and just the, the sheer scale of them. And actually the perfection. These aren't just things that, look, that are big. You know, they look really, really good. And it's just great to see, you know, what people have been able to do yeah, with all that yeah, effort and persistence and hard work during, during the growing season. Now, this isn't just, of course, a, an agricultural show. It's a family event, isn't it? You've got tons of stuff on for the whole family. There's probably about 10 different events, activities, which w- would stand alone as events in their own right. Yeah, the show jumping, the cycling, yeah, we have an amazing heritage village, all these different things which could just be a thing on their own, but actually they're all together, they're all at the same time. And so everybody loves to come and they may come for one thing, but all the family want are happy to come because there's all the other things that they that they see and enjoy. And actually the competitors like it too. You know, one of the cycling um officials was saying, you know, normally they're out on an airfield on their own with nobody around them and they've got crowds to cheer them on and the same with show jumpers as well you know the big arenas you go and you do your round you see the person before you see the person after and 
that's it. You know, at Heckington, if you get a clear round, you've got thousands of people applauding you, which is a really, a really great feeling. Absolutely. And there's food, there's trade stands, lots of opportunity to spend your money. Now, before we just wrap up with the details of where and when and where to go for more information and so on, just tell me if you would a little bit about this 100 Champions project. Yeah, um, this is really, really exciting. People talk about shows competing with each other. We're not. We're, yeah, we're all in the show movement together. And there's a national body called the... Uh, um, Association of Agricul- the Agriculture Societies and Organisations Society, and they've been running for a hundred years. And all the big shows and lots of the small ones all are all part of this. And to celebrate their hundred years, they've invited a hundred shows to make a special award, yeah, as part of the celebrations. And we were delighted that Heckington was asked to be part of that. And there'll be a special award for the champion Lincoln Red in our show. And also, actually, at the Lincolnshire show, which are also part of the scheme, um, they wanted to go to the champion Lincoln Longwall, and that presentation is actually going to be made at Heckington at Heckington show as well. So we're going to have our champion Lincoln Longwall and our champion Lincoln Red yeah, receiving rosettes from the National Shows, Org- Shows Organisation. And we keep everything crossed for the weather, as ever. And uh, Charles, wish you a hugely successful Heckington Show 2023. Thanks ever so much for talking to, to me, Steve. Really appreciate it. In a couple of weeks, as harvest time gets into full swing, crop doctor Sean Sparling will be taking a well-earned break and we'll be taking a look at the first half of what has been a very challenging year, to say the least. For now, though, here is Sean Sparling with a look at the state of the crops and some timely agronomy advice for us. Morning, Sean. Yes, nice to have you back, Stephen. You're absolutely right. It's been a tough year from many angles out here, pretty much all because of the weather once again this year. Always the weather, isn't it? And thanks to this awful run of weather that we're stuck in at the moment, and thanks to the jet stream being stuck down below the south of the UK, because as we all know, the weather north of the jet stream at any one time is all a bit dodgy like this lot. We're getting cool, wet, windy and really stormy, slow-moving weather systems. 31 mil of rain for me at home in the last seven days, 15 and a half mil on Wednesday. Wednesday evening in about 25 minutes and the storms that hit last weekend around Long Sutton, Holbeach, Boston, Kingsland saw far too many bits of wheat go down as if the rolls had been through them. Always a problem when heavy rain accompanies gale force winds, when these wheats are at the heaviest, as they were. Horrible to see and a challenging harvest looming for those chaps affected. Plenty of headland overlaps down on an awful lot of other farms further north in wheat and barley alike, but fingers crossed it gets no worse than that. The spring barleys that went over a few weeks ago picked themselves up reasonably well though, so we get what we're given I suppose and we have to try not to worry about things we can't do anything about. Grant me the serenity to accept that which I cannot change the knowledge to change that which I can and the wisdom to know the difference and all that even wheats that had been very robustly treated with gross regs couldn't handle 40 mile an hour winds and an inch of rain harvest 23 then a stuttery old lot so far but when there's always biscuits in the tin where's the fun in biscuits that's what they say isn't it couldn't be more different harvest 2023 compared to harvest 2022 so we start with sugar beet then a quick correction to last week by the way I inadvertently said that angle was the same as priory extra it is of course the same as priory gold not priory extra I'm getting ready for my holiday I can tell when my worms come out mucked it like that. So Priory Gold or Angle, it's azoxystrobin, diphenaconazole, amistar and plover. But at any rate, still very little, if any, disease to report. I'm certainly not seeing any on my patch. So 
The plans remain in place to start my first fungicides from about the 10th of August or so, unless the disease begins to appear before that, in which case we'll go when the disease appears. Keep an eye on the BBRO Socospora warning map as well, all based upon clever algorithms that are based around weather conditions across the beet growing areas. And I think apart from a couple of spots on the south coast of Essex, numbers on the risk map remain at two in this area, and anything below six means there isn't a particular problem, so just keep monitoring that. Mildewy weather really I suppose more than rust but as I say nothing out there to see just yet any winter wheat fields that need pre-harvest glyphosate few and far between for me as I said last week so don't just do it for the sake of doing it because a low rate squirt of glyphosate could just make your blackgrass resistant issues happen way more quickly so just let the combine deal with a bit of rubbish if you can winter bean crops now really starting to go home and if you're using glyphosate on any weedy crops and there are plenty of those about this year because the residuals really struggled in the weather from sort of middle of May onwards through to the early part of July. It seems a long time ago now that we had that dry spell, doesn't it? The correct timing, once again, though, 30% moisture or less for glyphosate, uh, when over 90% of the pods have gone black. Spring beans, a long way behind the winter ones, really, but starting to turn a little bit now too. But the same criteria supplies for glyphosate in those. Peas going home quickly now too. So once again, the weedier crops and in these catchy conditions, the thought are starting to turn to spraying them off once they hit 30% moisture or less again for glyphosate. The bottom pods will be papery and they'll have hard peas in them. The middle pods, they'll be pitted and going yellow with hard rubbery peas in them, but the top pods will still have a look, a little bit of green about them and the peas will still be splittable with firm pressure. Smaller pods this year, two or three peas in them as well, rather than five or six peas to a pod, but we'll see how that turns out. The old seed rape harvest going as the weather allows it to. Very small seeds though, thanks to the dry pod fill period. Unconfirmed yields out there of a ton and a half to the acre widely reported by those who always widely report a ton and a half to the acre at this point of the season. Very small seed though, as I said. So if that's where we do actually end up as an average at a ton and a half, I'll definitely take that this year. Variable reports out there as well about cabbage stem flea beetle adult numbers crawling out of trailers and sheds. But those exceptions adult numbers in your area if they do exist should be part of your decision making process if you're considering drilling rape in two or three weeks time all a bit fingers crossed when it comes to cabbage stem flea beetle control of course in orcid rape there's nothing reliable and high numbers of adults in your area should definitely ring alarm bells remember autumn 2019 we had that same situation so if you do risk drilling orcid rape early august drillings are going to be at the mercy of more adult activity therefore more Eggs are going to be laid, therefore you're likely to get more larval attention. A little bit later drilling, that reduces the quantity of adult activity and the larval activity alike. It's all down to soil to seed contact and a bit of warm, wet soil at drilling. That gives the seed the best chance of getting going, of course, once that time comes. But establishment alone is not always indicative of a reliable outcome in March and April. And the winter barley harvest, that's underway as well as the weather allows. The winter barley seems to be running pretty well for me so far. I had a 47 acre field do 9.87 tonnes to the hectare, moisture adjusted, that's almost 4 tonnes to the acre, off a conventional variety of barley over a weighbridge last Sunday. So again, I'll take that. So it's going to be a busy few weeks. Things are all going to happen at the same time once the weather does turn, but we do need some of that warm, sunny stuff, if at all possible. On that note, let's see what the next seven days bring. Thanks as ever, Sean. See you next week.
From talking about the Heckington show to the Lincolnshire show, which took place very successfully a few weeks ago with Sean doing some commentating, the showground has a new chief exec. We'll meet Charlotte Powell and get the market reports and the weather for the week ahead next. The Farming Programme with Araquip Steel Stockholders, Withambrook Industrial Estate, Grantham. For all your steel needs, call their friendly experts. Last month, we all enjoyed another hugely successful Lincolnshire show, a great couple of days showcasing the best of our fair county. Planning is already underway for next June, but this time under the control of a new chief exec. She's Charlotte Powell, and we met for a chat the other day at a more peaceful, if slightly echoey, showground. So let, let's start off with a little bit of background about Charlotte then yes. what brings you to the Lincolnshire Agricultural Society yeah well so I'm Lincolnshire born and bred um and so from a little girl I remember the little uh, Lincolnshire show um over the years I've come to concerts uh, fairs had my own stands here so that's why I'm, I'm here really because actually it's been ingrained in me how wonderful this show uh, ground is and I'm really passionate about agriculture but also I'm really proud of the county I'm a very proud yellow belly so you say you had your own stand here what was that doing yeah well I worked for the county council for a few years so I used to organize events and activities at Lincolnshire Showground and other historic venues across the county including Games World Hall, Usher Art Gallery, The Collection so um, we had a stand a few years well we still do have a stand uh, just promoting all our events and activities which is great. The Lincolnshire show huge though it is is not the only thing that goes on at the showground so mm-hmm. I'm guessing your job incorporates not just organizing the Lincolnshire show but everything else that happens throughout the year. That, yes, that's it. So um, we do have a range of events. So um, obviously we do have our, our flagship event, the Lincolnshire Show, but we also have Food and Gift, which obviously uh, is around Christmas. But also we have a range of events. We've got music concerts, antiques, toy fairs, you name it. And, and that's what we want it to be as a hub for the whole community. Um, so you don't necessarily have to, to be in agriculture to come to the site because we've got a range of activities and events here. Now, of course, the Lincolnshire show this year was really, really successful. Nice to see it getting back to its sort of full size after COVID and so on. Yeah. But you can't really claim an awful lot of credit for that, really, <laughs> unfortunately, can you? Where do you see things going in the future for the show? Now you've had the chance to observe, maybe, yes. and see what was good, what was maybe less good. What's the future for the Lincolnshire show? So I'm always very keen that we we retain our sort of heritage and our history of the agriculture. But what we might do is make it a bit more more futuristic or more engaging with the community. Um, People love seeing livestock on, on site but maybe we have more opportunity where they can get to stroke the animals um, or have photos with the animals, milk cows, you name it. We might get a bit more, a bit more creative with that, but also show another, other elements of, of, the, um, you know, of the whole site. So we're very proud that Lincolnshire has Skegness and a range of coastal things, so maybe we'll have a beach on site. You know, there's lots of opportunities um, to make the show a bit more interactive and appeal to a wider generation, because what we want to do is really be proud of the county and, and show what the county has to offer. But there are, of course, the traditional elements. Yeah. We're thinking of the livestock shows, the handling in the ring and so on and so forth. 
they, they're not going to go away, are they? No, no, definitely not. They, uh, they are enjoyable elements of the show where people actually want to come and see them. But we are going to still have other things that also attract customers, so from um, live entertainment, dancing and shows like that. But, you know, our, our, we want to make sure it is an agricultural show. We want to give people opportunities to see, you know, our huge combine harvesters and different types of vehicles that we use in farming and also get to see animals. Uh, we got to speak to some lovely children who came along and one child said I've never seen a cow and I've never seen it a sheep and I didn't know sheep came with you know different types of <laughs> long hair short hair um, and actually that's what we want it all to be about it's a bit it's a fun day but actually you learn a bit as well um, about you know agriculture and farming so away from the show a little bit but the society is very very keen and it's charitable status and it's educational activities isn't it yes so um, we're really proud to announce that this year we've interacted with over 16,000 students uh, and young people they've done the school challenge which is at the show um, but also we have breakfast club where they get to come in and make and cook breakfast and also we have our tractor event where they again can come on site to see tractors and we're also going into schools so some schools do struggle with transport so what we're trying to do is actually go to schools where possible as well there's so much more opportunities we want to expend from the educational side uh, because a lot of people don't appreciate that we're a charity and so all the money that we raise we try and you know getting back into the education and make people aware of you know farming charlotte it's lovely to meet you good luck for the future as the ceo of lincolnshire showground thank you thank you very much Links FM Farming Market Reports. Starting with livestock and from Louth Livestock Market auctioneer Oliver Chapman. Good morning, Oliver. Morning, Steve. This week's weekly roundup from Louth started with prime cattle, which she steers to three hundred and nine pence per kilo, or seventeen hundred and eighty-nine pounds for F. Wallace and Son of Biscothorpe. Heifers to two hundred and eighty-six pence per kilo for JNS Brooks of Strubby, or sixteen hundred and thirty-five pounds for W. H. Jakes and Sons of Adelthorpe. While prime bulls to 200 pence per kilo or £1,516 for PB Wesley of Techney. On to the cool cows and a trio top at 176 pence per kilo for RE Needham and Sons of Gately Wold or £1,526 for GL and M Car of Skidbrook. Handful of store cattle top for JS Mason of Langrick at £1,030 with the steers. Heifers topping at £1,070 for WH Jakes and Sons of Adelthorpe. That wraps the cattle up and onto the sheep. A handier show of sheep forward this week with 415 lambs. SQ queuing at 273.26 pence per kilo, or all in averaging 276.95 pence per kilo, showing that the heavier weighted meated lambs commanding the slightly stronger trade. Topping for Emily Skaben of Saleby at £158 per head, or Low Road Farm at 307 pence per kilo. Finally, on to the cool years and a handier show. See 58, all in average £94.84 pence to top for TR Gladwin of Kettleby at £146 per head. Huge thank you to everyone that's been and supported this week, both buyers and vendors. We're back on tomorrow with prime and cool cattle and all classes of sheep. So for all marketing of livestock, please do not hesitate to contact me. This is Oliver Chapman for Masons and Layoff Market, and thank you. Thanks, Oliver. And with a look at the grey markets, Open Fields, Alice Killam. Morning, Alice. Good morning, Steve. This week has certainly been an eventful one and a reminder of the first days of the invasion in Ukraine. As we saw, global wheat markets shot out of the blocks on more Black Sea news. Putin increased the pressure on Ukraine and concerns for global supply post the recent Odessa port attacks. Unfortunately, such events you just cannot foresee. Late Wednesday afternoon saw the Russian Defence Ministry come out with this statement. 
From July 20th, all ships sailing in the Black Sea to Ukrainian ports will be considered as potential carriers of military cargo. Countries on the flags of such ships will be considered involved in the Ukrainian conflict and on the side of the Kyiv regime. Therefore, from Thursday morning, all vessels Ukraine-bound will be potentially attacked, stopping any ship owner putting a vessel into the region, and with Romania and Poland requesting extensions to stop grain travelling overland with or without EU permission. The true test of what Ukraine has left to export is about to begin. In my opinion, the market is telling us there is limited tons of maize to come out, as the strength is in wheat rather than corn. The strength, of course, comes as traders switch their books to execute out of other origins, giving Matif the lift. At the high, the French market hit up 20 euros, and CBOT across the board was up 60 cents. The market will be keeping a close eye on the Black Sea situation, alongside the weather markets that continue to add concern. Reductions on Canada, unfavourable geographic weather in the US, and the extreme heat across Europe. This presented an opportunity for farmers who haven't sold to dip a toe in and get some cover. The huge jump was followed swiftly on Thursday by profit-taking, with the UK spending most of the day between two and three pounds down on the opening. Some will feel that this is just the beginning of the story, and they may well be correct. How is anyone really to know how the next six months are likely to play out? We know from reading about this conflict that we must be prepared to expect the unexpected did not rule out an agreement if Russia were to achieve some of their demands. This will be another reason for the lack of follow-through at the end of the week. UK physical harvest so far has been very frustrating. Some have finished winter barley, yields on the better land have been pretty good, quality on the malting barley have mostly been poor, but there is a lot of barley still to cut. The weather in Lincolnshire remains sketchy. But we're close to getting going properly. If base prices do remain and we can see some quality too, don't ignore some of the premiums on offer. Some guide prices for this week, circa Friday morning. Feed wheat, July, 185 to 190. September, 190 to 200. November, 195 to 205. With group one milling premiums for new crops still holding around 60 pounds. Feed barley, July, 150 to 155. October, 165 to 175. And May, 175 to 180. Finally this week for all seed rape, 395 to 405. That's all for another week. As usual, please call for firm values. Thanks as ever, Alice. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Unsettled is the weather word of the week, starting with heavy rain today, just a light breeze and highs of 19. That rain continues, but lighter for the early part of the week. Similarly, light breezes and temperatures. More heavy rains on the way for Wednesday and Thursday. Cooler Wednesday with highs of 13 before warming up for the end of the week with temperatures getting up to around 20. That's your lot for now. Next week, partly fair and 24 hours in farming are both back. I'm Steve Orchard. Until then, have a great week. The Farming Programme with our equipped steel stockholders with Unbrook Industrial Estate Grantham. Supplying the region for over 40 years.